0: Love, Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now... Let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hi there, and welcome to today's program. Um, had some interesting experiences today that I'm going to be telling you a little bit about in schools. Uh, it's going to lead us to our word of the day. Um, we don't always have a word of the day, but we're going to have a word of the day today. Um, but uh, welcome. I'm glad that you're listening in, whether you're listening live or to a recorded version, um, how cool is this that we get together every week for 45 minutes to talk about how to understand kids with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges better and help them better than we often do now. Um, as always, these are your 45 minutes. Uh, If you're working with a student who's not responding very well to Plan B or having trouble getting folks at school to buy in or wondering how to organize the effort in your building so that your building can start moving forward or running into trouble using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, um, call in, comment, ask questions, get the support you need or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach. If you do want to call in, the number is 646-727-2691. And if you are, once again, not the calling-in type, you can always send me a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. And that web address, of course, is www.livesinthebalance.org. Um, our word of the day well it's actually not a single word our word of the day is ALSUP yeah ALSUP but um, of course ALSUP is seven words A-L-S-U-P hold on I thought I had this figured out yeah assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems seven words that really help us um, organize the effort for the kids that we're trying to help. I am always blown away at how helpful uh, the ALSIP is to organizing the effort. First of all, of course, the ALSIP is combined, uh, includes two parts. There's the lagging skill section of the ALSIP. And that's what you're filling out first. Uh, the reason you're filling that out first is because you want to make sure that the people who are um, filling it out have the right lenses on, first and foremost. First and foremost are the lenses, how we are viewing this kid's challenging behavior. Um, you know, not much of what we do after that makes a whole lot of sense unless we've got the right lenses on in the first place. And, of course, in collaborative problem solving, it's lagging skills and demands for those skills that set the stage for challenging behavior. And that's the real McCoy. And that's, that's why challenging kids are challenging. They're lacking the skills not to be challenging. And, of course, that's, we also know that it's more complicated than that. It's not just that challenging kids are lacking crucial cognitive skills. It's also that... We are demanding those skills, and that's when challenging behavior happens. When the environment is demanding skills that a kid is lacking, the likelihood of challenging behavior is greatly heightened. The unsolved problems section, of course, helps us identify when. When is what I've come to call those clashing forces, lagging skills and demands for those skills, uh, when's that happening? Specifically, when is that happening? Um, during recess, when a kid is having difficulty getting along with their best friend because their best friend is um, playing with somebody else? That? When? Um, during writing assignments? Is that when? Uh, during reading? Is that when? When? when is so big because it helps us understand that challenging episodes aren't unpredictable they're very predictable and that a kid's challenging behavior is occurring in response to highly specific and here's the best part identifiable unsolved problems and the goal of course is to solve those problems um collaboratively of course um if you solve them unilaterally, they're probably not solved at all. You've got to solve them collaboratively if you really want to find out what's getting in the kid's way on that unsolved problem. Collaboratively, if you um, want to get your concern entered into consideration. Collaboratively, if you and the kid want to brainstorm solutions together that address both sets of concerns and has a much better chance of actually getting the problem solved, that's why you want to do it collaboratively not unilaterally I was in a um, school meeting today and um we were talking about a kid who actually is uh, rather difficult at school and, and um at times not doing a whole lot of work and I had asked the kid's uh, the students uh teachers to um keep a list to start doing some record keeping and I asked them to record Any situations in which the kid became difficult, disagreeable, um, balked at doing what was being requested. And um, in today's meeting, I learned that, um, well, they had done an amazing job of that. And in fact, the whole activity had helped them really start to give some thought to, you know what, when is this kid balking? It's not sort of this general, nebulous, amorphous thing she's balking. She's balking, getting upset in response to highly specific conditions, unsolved problems, Um, when separating in the morning from her parent, when being asked to read aloud, when being asked to write Um, went on her own uh, time clock Uh, as a kid who um, needs to complete whatever she's working on before she can move on to the next thing, and she doesn't really care what the next thing is. It may even be a preferred activity that she's supposed to be moving on to. She can't move on until she's done with the activity beforehand, and time is not a major factor for this kid. Um, wow, that kind of that made it a lot more predictable when this kid was going to get upset. Um, and yeah, she has some preferred activities, but the biggest issues are the kid totally refusing to read aloud. And um, the person who's working with her is happy to read aloud for her, but a lot of challenging episodes occurred when... They tried to get the kid to read on her own, and the person who's working with her is happy to do some scribing for her, but challenging episodes occur when the kid is being asked to scribe on her own. Because we are in assessment mode right now, um, we're going to be scribing for her 100% of the time right now, and we're going to be reading to her. 100% of the time right now because we're in assessment mode. Sometimes adults are so eager to help and are so impatient with trying to move things forward that they speed things along before they really have a good idea of what's going on with a kid. Uh, One of the people who's working with her Um, said something that uh, is not so uncommon. Um, She said when she's balking, I'm just assuming she doesn't want to do it. She just wants her own way. And, of course, I said my usual. Number one, we all want our own way. And we all balk at things that are hard for us. Some of us, when we want our own way and we're balking, have the skills, language skills, communication skills, social skills, to do that in an appropriate fashion so uh, the example that i gave was you know if if you were asking me to do algebra and of course if you've listened to this program a little bit then you may know that math is not my strong suit and never has been if you ask me to do algebra put the algebra in front of me and said now do it i would look up at you and say and this this requires language skills and frustration tolerance skills and uh Social skills, I'd look at you and say, but I can't do it. If you then said, "Um, but you got to, because I have the skills, I'd say, but I can't without your help. If you then insisted or uh, or put a timeline on me and said, look, you need to have this done in the next half an hour. Uh, And I'm hoping you're thinking here not about what I would be doing, but what about a kid who has... Uh, limited social skills, limited communication skills, limited frustration tolerance skills would be doing, what I would say is, well, you know, the 15 minutes is nice, but I'm, I'm not going to be in any better condition to complete these algebra problems in the next 15 minutes as I will be in the next two weeks. Can't do this. There's things I don't understand about this. Now, let's take it to the next level if... If we then said, listen, we will give you a piece of chocolate if you complete that algebra in 15 minutes. All right, I've got social skills, I've got communication skills, I've got frustration tolerance skills. I would say, listen, you know what, I would, I would love to have a piece of chocolate. Hopefully, It's not, it's, it's not dark chocolate. If it's smoked chocolate. I would love to have a piece of chocolate, but I'm really sorry. I, I can't do what you've just put in front of me. This was a pretty good example because it made the point that because this kid... Now, you know what? There's lots of kids in this world who have difficulty reading, and there's lots of kids in this world who have difficulty writing, but it's the ones who are lacking the skills of flexibility, frustration tolerance, and problem solving who, when they are faced with those problems, exhibit behaviors that are way over the top, what would a kid who's lacking those skills do? Oh, by the way, you wouldn't you wouldn't get as far as we did. We, you wouldn't have gotten to the chocolate part. Uh, you stick something in front of a kid that they feel they can't do. First of all, the last thing they want to hear is, I know you can do it. Music to their ears, proactively, is... I've noticed that you're not doing any writing on your own and you'd prefer that i do the writing for you what's up i've noticed you're not doing any reading on your own and you prefer that i read to you what's up the more specific we make the unsolved problems the more organized the effort and the less overwhelmed people feel, because now they're finally homing in on the most important parts. Why, what is getting in this kid's way? Why those academic activities and not others? So I asked an interesting question. I said, if you did all the scribing for her and you placed no demand whatsoever on her to, to write on her own, and if you agreed that you would read everything to her and didn't place any demands on her for reading on her own, um, what would happen? And the answer basically was, well, she'd be participating a whole lot more in our class assignments, and she'd be learning a whole lot more of what the rest of the class was learning. Now, of course, that's plan C. That's removing the unsolved problem, but when you're in assessment mode, when you're trying to figure out what's getting in a kid's way, you know, plan B could give you lots of useful information when you're asking the kid what's up. But what I'm interested in here with this kid is if we make the two biggest um, precipitants, reading out loud and writing independently, if we remove those, what's left? Well, we'd still have our separation issues and we'd still... Um, have our time thing going but what's left because early on what you're really trying to home in on is what are we dealing with here what what do we need to gather more information about what are our unsolved problems and what i always notice is that we are in such a hurry to get it done i mean we're talking we're only in the end of september here i'd rather take my september and even some of my october figuring out what my unsolved problems are, organizing the effort, using the ALSEP. That's why the ALSEP is the word of the day, even though it's not a word. I'd rather organize the effort and get my ducks in a row so I know what I'm working on, gather the information I need, and then start figuring stuff out so that I know what I'm doing for the rest of the school year, rather than jump in to making a kid do something or doing our usual reminding or insisting or reprimanding and when all else fails when that doesn't go well we'll impose consequences or think of some goodies now how would goodies or punishment or reminding or insisting or reprimanding how would that help a kid exhibit skills that they do not yet possess by golly they wouldn't And one of the best ways to organize the effort, lagging skills, that's the top section of the ALSEP. Unsolved problems, that's the bottom section of the ALSEP. Now the effort is organized. Now we're trying to figure out why on those unsolved problems and what is getting in the kid's way. And now we've got our agenda for the school year. So many school years we... Just decide what it is that the kid's not doing that we want the kid to be doing and um, start reminding, insisting, and reprimanding and imposing consequences. And unfortunately, we never figure out what's getting in the kid's way. We never even figure out under what specific conditions the kid is having difficulties. And by golly, we could go through a lot of school years that way and not have much to show for it except a kid, a student who's becoming increasingly impatient. Incre- oh, they're not the only ones who are becoming increasingly impatient. Uh, the folks who are working with the kid are becoming increasingly impatient as well. A kid who's becoming increasingly agitated because the kid is looking to us to help. Early on they have faith that we'll help, but if over the years we don't help, well, you're going to have an increasingly impatient, agitated kid key theme here. The word for the day is "alsa." but the key assumption, as I'm being reminded by one of our listeners by email, kids do well if they can. If she could do well, she would do well. As I said to the folks in the meeting today, I'm assuming, given that she's doing some of the stuff we're asking her to do, I'm assuming that if she's not doing something that we want her to do, if she's balking, there are bona fide issues getting in the way bona fide lagging skills as i always say when i'm doing public speaking the biggest favor you can do a challenging kid is to finally at long last be the person who figures out what's been getting in their way because if they're still challenging it's pretty surefire bet no one's figured that out yet not with the degree of specificity that would actually move the process forward As I mentioned in last week's program, you know what, I should mention something else here. Um, I had a uh, four-hour layover in the Toronto airport on uh, Saturday and um, decided that a good use of my time would be to completely reorganize the audio programming section of the Lives in the Balance website. So I did. And you know what? Between the educator... uh, radio program and the parent radio program and the fact that there's all kinds of recorded programs dating back into last year. Um, This took some doing, but I'm actually rather pleased with how it turned out. If you now go to the audio programming section, number one, one of the things that um, sort of struck me, because I don't go to the audio programming pages of the Lives in the Balance website too often, is just how much audio programming there is. My goodness, there are. Hours upon hours' worth of archived programs, um, archived materials um, on the Lives in the Balance website in that audio programming section. It's really kind of cool. I kind of had lost track of just how many, uh, how, much, how rich those resources are um, for people looking to learn more about the collaborative problem-solving approach. Um, but now they're organized by topic, Uh, For those of you who listen to this program sequentially, sort of want to know where the most recent programs are, those are at the top of the page now. But for those of you who want to listen by topic, all the rest of the programs, all the programs from last year are listed by topic now, organized by topic, and um, well, eventually over time, I think each topic is going to have its own page because it's a very long page right now because there's a lot of programming. Just thought I'd let you know if you've been following the program, and many, many folks are, um, it's a lot better organized now, and lots of programs have been added that weren't there before. And um, here's my apology for being slow on getting all those programs uploaded to the Lives in the Balance website and... um, being slow and reorganizing the page, but now it's done. Wait till you see all the other changes that are coming to the Lives in the Balance website. By the way, as I'm going to be saying every week now, if you haven't signed up for the Lives in the Balance newsletter, um, go please go to the Lives in the Balance homepage. There's a little flag at the bottom of the page on the left-hand side, because um, as I mentioned last week, we are gearing up to help you advocate for challenging kids and their caregivers in your community. Um, And the Lives in the Balance website is about to undergo a um, facelift. Don't worry, the canoe is going to still be there. You know, I get interesting feedback on the two people canoeing. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Um, I like it. Well, that's why it's there. Uh, As I also mentioned last week, um, got a lot of email over this summer, so I'm going to try to answer some more of it right now. Here's one that I received in August. This one's kind of touching. Uh, I have just experienced for three years this is, a, this is a classroom teacher. I have just experienced for three years an ODD, ADHD conduct disorder child in my grade 1-2 classroom. He was only 6 when he came to me, and I had him for 3 years in a split grade. He functioned about a 3- to 4-year-old in grade 1. He hit, spit, swore, ran away from my room and into the town, had devil obsessions, lit fires, hurt animals, hurt siblings, talked of suicide and killing others, vandalized in the community, threw chairs, and the list goes on. The first psychiatrist gave him a stimulant medication and told his mom he would outgrow this behavior. Oh, no. Not that. After a year and a half, I finally got support for him from a different psychiatrist. I finally got permission for a classroom support teacher to help me and him. He now has 18 people on his case, social workers, hospital workers, respite, teacher, assistant teacher, school liaison worker, etc. Now, uh, I must say that that sounds like a lot of people. Sometimes it's not the more the merrier. Sometimes there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Sometimes when there's too many chefs and they're all adding their own thoughts about what the kid needs, both the kid and everybody who's supposed to be implementing all those 18 things get overwhelmed. I'll keep going with the email. This child spent two two two-week sessions in a psychiatric program for kids. He's on antipsychotic meds and still displays many of these symptoms. He's not in my class anymore. I am frustrated that all of that intervention did not help him too much. My question is, can we really help a kid like this? Or is it just coping mechanisms while we deal with him? I must say, and this is the touching part, actually it's kind of touching already, I must say I love this kid. I still do. I saw him the other day in a nearby city and he threw his arms around my neck and hugged hard. These children break my heart and frustrate me and take me through every emotion possible i just had him to deal with alone i would have felt stressed but having him in my room while i tried to teach 20 others was beyond humanly possible i feel absolutely drained and in shock after this experience well you know i think uh this emailer said it all this is touching on so many levels first of all it's not that there aren't lots of people trying to help kid had 18 people involved and clearly a uh, teacher who despite everything that this kid was doing managed to forge a relationship with him we might say against all odds we also is also poignant in the fact that that's right trying to help this kid in a classroom full of 20 might be beyond the realm of possibility. This kid might have needed something different. But, unless we organize the effort, unless those 18 people who are helping him are using our word of the day, ALSIP, to organize the effort where a shared set of lenses identify specific unsolved problems, and then, although this isn't the word of the day, I'm going to deviate from the word of the day briefly, use the Plan B flowchart to track what we're working on, identify who's working on each unsolved problem with the kid. We're going to pick two or three unsolved problems, prioritize them, and make sure that we get the job on two or three done rather than trying to get so many unsolved problems solved at once that we get none solved at all. Progress is incremental, and in a kid who is exhibiting behaviors that are this challenging and who apparently has an extremely long list of unsolved problems, the last thing we want to have happen is have 18 different people giving 18 different pieces of advice and working on 18 different things at once, or even if they are only working on two or three things at once, going about it in 18 different ways. Challenging kids require cohesive care they require that we adults have our acts together first in terms of shared lenses and in terms of organizing the effort what are the unsolved problems let's be specific what unsolved problems are we working on right now who's working on what and let's not turn our attention to other unsolved problems until we get these solved otherwise despite our best intentions we are spinning our wheels And we don't want to do that year after year. So be the person who introduces the LSIP into your assessment practices at your school, into your discussion practices at your school. Introduce the LSIP. It's a single-sided, single sheet of paper. The next time you're in a meeting where the goal of the meeting is to Figure out what's going on with a kid and come up with an action plan on how to help. Make sure you have the al- a blank copy of the ALSIP in front of every member of the meeting. Spend 20 minutes going over lagging skills and deciding which lagging skills apply to this kid so that everybody in that room has the right lenses on. Then spend 20 minutes going over unsolved problems and be really specific about them. And then spend 10 minutes prioritizing and Picking two or three unsolved problems that you're going to start working on first. If you have safety issues, work on those first. Work on the unsolved problems, setting in motion safety issues. If you don't have safety issues, work on the unsolved problems that are setting the stage for challenging behavior most often. See some of those problems through to successful solutions and then take some other unsolved problems of the, from the LSIP and add them to the Plan B flowchart after you've got some unsolved problems solved. Try your big fish first, then add little fish. One thing I will say, um, often, not always, often, you solve two or three of what I might call the big kahuna unsolved problems that are setting the stage for challenging behavior in a kid, and you actually may may have made a dramatic dent in his challenging behavior. For example, in the kid that I was talking about this morning, If we can get the reading out loud problem solved, not yet. Right now we're reading to her. We're still figuring out why she's having trouble reading aloud, and we're not going to figure that out if we demand that she read out loud. Let's figure it out. Let's solve it. In the case of this kid, I think we've just eliminated 30 to 40% of her challenging episodes. First, we're going to do it with Plan C. We're going to eliminate challenging episodes by 30% with Plan C by removing the expectation then, when we've chilled her out a little bit and we've calmed down a little bit, we're going to figure out what's getting in our way on reading and come up with a mutually satisfactory, realistic plan on addressing the reading. That's plan B. And once all that's done, I'm thinking 30 to 40% of challenging episodes are gone. with By solving one unsolved problem, I mean, it's a, it's a big kahuna unsolved problem, but... That's a nice chunk to knock out with just one unsolved problem. I'll take that any day. And then I'm thinking, if we then move on, I don't really care what order this is. I'm just giving an example to her writing. And first we do it with plan C by scribing for her. And then slowly but surely, as we start to understand what's getting in her way on writing, have her start to write a little bit and come up with a solution that's realistic and mutually satisfactory. I'm telling you. I think that's another 30 to 40%. So with just two unsolved problems, we've knocked out 60 to 80% of our challenging episodes. First with plan C by removing it so we can learn more about it, and then with plan B so we can learn more about it and solve it. Where does it all start? With the ALSOP, our word of the day. The question from this emailer, of course, was, Can we really help a kid like this? The answer? Absolutely. If we go about it in the ways that I just described. Now, in this email, of course, the emailer mentions that um, the kid was on meds. There are some things that medicine addresses better than Plan B. That's okay. Of course, easier to tell if a kid needs to be on meds if you are identifying unsolved problems first and then thinking about whether medicine would make sense as the solution to any of those unsolved problems. If medicine wouldn't make sense, I'm not sure you medicate. Hard to figure that out, though, unless we have a Uh, good list of highly specific unsolved problems for example if we decided that one of the main reasons this kid was having trouble with reading and writing is because she um, was inattentive and had difficulty focusing medicine could make sense if we decided that wasn't it medicine wouldn't make sense You identify the unsolved problems first, then you're asking yourself, plan C, that's going to be some of them. Plan B, that's going to be some of them. Are there any of these here that medication might address? Maybe that's some, maybe that's not. It all starts with the LSIP, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. I, I just want to say how cool it is that this teacher got a hard hug around her neck from this kid. Clearly something good happened. This teacher's feeling drained and shocked. Just want to uh, assure her if she's listening, you done good. You may not have gotten the job completely done, and quite frankly, this sounds like it was a tall order. But you did something right. You established a relationship with this kid, and I'm hoping that helps you feel less shocked. Well, I don't know about the drained part. Um, Establishing relationships with challenging kids takes a lot of energy. You, You may well feel drained. Of course, there's lots of things you could do to feel drained and not establish a relationship with the kid, and Have the kid do worse and have nothing to show for your efforts. If you're going to feel drained, at least have a relationship to show for it. At least have a completed Alsip to show for it. At least have some attempts at plan B to show for it so that at least you've gotten some practice. As I always say, the first 20 attempts at plan B are for practice. Working with challenging kids is draining doing it under impossible circumstances, unreasonable, and even more draining. That you have a relationship to show for it with this kid, about as cool as it gets. And you know what? Lots of kids that I've worked with who I wasn't sure that I helped, some of those are the ones that I get emails from later saying you helped me. The goal is to move the process forward. Sometimes you're not going to be the one who sees the kid into the promised land, but you may have been the person who got the ball rolling, and there's something to be said for that, too. Progress is incremental. Um, So while I share this teacher's concern about how this kid's ultimately going to do, uh, it all starts with a relationship relationship and you did it, cool. All right, here's another email. Looks like we have time for one more. Maybe I spent too much time on that one, I don't know. Uh, Dr. Green, I'm a behavior management counselor and work extensively in the school system. I have immersed myself in your material and started using CPS in the past few months. It has been a really rough ride, and so I have a few questions I'm hoping you can answer. Number one, well, now, uh, before we go on, this is me talking here, not the emailer. Yes, it can be a really rough ride in the first few months. Expect it. It's, it's interesting. Uh, lots of folks expect that now that they've got the right lenses on, it's kind of going to be a walk in the park. Working with challenging kids is never a walk in the park. So uh, I'd expect the first few months to be a rough ride. In which case, this emailer's experience is uh, well, n- no offense, emailer, but your experience was not terribly unusual. The first few months of Plan B is a rough ride. But here's question number one: Using your recommendation to begin with unsolved problems as opposed to lagging skills, I've really struggled knowing how to incorporate lagging skill development into the solution. Not only is it difficult to have confidence in a specific cause-effect. Uh, relationship between lagging skills and unsolved problem, but I don't feel that the mutually agreed-upon solution is actually contributing to meaningful skill development. It seems additional work on skill development is needed to address lagging skills, even if I could even determine which ones to target. How do I build skill development into the solutions? That is a great question and one that often comes up, but here's my quick answer, Um, No offense, you're trying too hard. You don't have to incorporate skill development into the solution. And why not? Because the kid, you are doing skill development just by trying to solve problems collaboratively. There are many lagging skills that a kid is getting practice at just by doing plain old plan B. I fear that you are making the solution more complicated than it needs to be, By trying to have the solution not only solve the problem, but also teach skills. Skills are being taught. In the empathy step, you are teaching a kid to uh, think about his concerns. Clarify them. Articulate them. In the define the problem step, oh, by the way, you're helping him do that in the empathy step without immediately jumping to a solution, that's impulse control, to define the problem step the kid is listening to your concern taking another person's perspective possibly even empathizing in the invitation where you're brainstorming solutions the kid is generating alternative solutions moving off of his original solution very hard for many black and white thinking challenging kids to do all the while here by the way in plan B The kid is getting practice at dealing with a problem and thinking about one while maintaining control over their emotions. I mean, I could go on and on, but there are lots of skills being taught just by doing plain old plan B. You don't have to incorporate skills training into the solution. Skills training is happening anyways. Theoretically, why is that happening? Because remember, unsolved problems are byproducts of lagging skills and demands for those skills. If you're working on an unsolved problem, you are simultaneously working on the lagging skills giving rise to those unsolved problems. Solving problems reduces challenging behavior faster than teaching skills. Solving problems is a faster way to reduce challenging behavior than teaching skills is. For the changes that you're producing in this kid to be durable, for you to have some faith that the changes are going to last, you do want to teach skills, but you are teaching skills as you are solving problems collaboratively. I'd rather reduce challenging behavior more quickly, not, not, not quickly, but more quickly by solving problems collaboratively than by waiting for the skill to be taught. What gives me faith that eventually the improved behavior is going to last because if you work on enough unsolved problems that are byproducts of a certain lagging skill, I believe that lagging skill will improve That's how you have faith that solving problems collaboratively will produce durable effects. You're not only solving problems, you're teaching skills too. This uh, same emailer, Um, I'm in a meeting with the school staff to explain what myself and the school counselor are trying to do here with collaborative problem solving. And they asked, what do we do about the other 28 kids when he is shutting down and acting out? How can we justify spending that much time with one student? And can we justify giving one child exemptions for assignments and making concessions for disruptions when we need to set a precedent for the other students? You do not need to set a precedent for the other students. They aren't having difficulty with the work. And if they are having difficulty, You'll want to take the exact same approach with them as you are with this challenging kid. Figure out under what specific conditions, those are called unsolved problems, the kid is having difficulty. Find out what the difficulty is and solve those problems collaboratively. So here's the cool part. When you're doing plan B for a challenging kid in your classroom, you are modeling the way problems should be solved for the rest of the class. Now, as it relates to what are you going to do about the other 20 kids when the kid is shutting down and acting out, that's why you're doing all of this as proactively as possible. That kind of question sort of suggests that we're doing a lot of emergency plan B. Maybe, maybe not. I can't tell from the email. But we're not, uh, we're solving problems proactively here so as to dramatically reduce the amount of time that we're spending with this kid disrupting the class. Proactive plan B is your best friend here, not emergency plan B. How do you justify giving one child exemptions and making concessions? You're already doing something special for a lot of the kids in your class, academically anyhow. You're already doing something special. Now you're doing something special behaviorally. And the people in your classroom who have the easiest time with that are the other kids. Don't worry. If they know that their problems are being solved in this way, they're going to be okay with you solving the challenging students' problems this way. And even better, if they see that what you're doing with their challenging classmate is working, his challenging behavior is being reduced, well they're going to be very happy and they're going to buy in themselves. We have, I'm sorry to report, come to the end of another program for today. Um, Been fun. Uh, We sure do cover some important stuff on this program. Hope it's been useful for you. Uh, Make sure you give me some feedback on what's useful and what's not, what you need and what you don't by emailing me through the Lives in the Balance website. In the meantime, let's call it a day for today. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.